The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. You can open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll um, be looking at a few verses here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And um, the beginning of verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Let's, to save a little time, let's move on now and let's look at verse number seven. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather under godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you and thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have today to study that word and to, to dig into your word and learn the principles and truths that you would have us to know. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us and instruct us today. And we'll thank you for all these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been, um, we've been going through a series of studies uh, on the Christian life. And we've looked at several different things in this study. We looked at, so far, we've looked at seven divine calls from God. Uh, I've listed them on your study sheet. We've looked at the call to salvation the call to sanctification, the call to service, the call to separation, the call to sonship, the call to subjection, and the call to suffering. These are all calls that you and I, as God's children, have received from the Lord. And then we've also looked at six distinct benefits of good doctrine. We've, we've, we've talked about doctrine. We've looked at six benefits of doctrine. We said that doctrine matures. That doctrine, doctrine ministers to the believer. That it magnifies God and the life of the believer. We've said that good doctrine equips us unto service. Good doctrine educates us in the truths of God. And good doctrine empowers us as servants of God. Now, today I'd like to continue by changing just a little bit and examining the believer's disposition Toward doctrine. And of course, when I use the word disposition, I'm referring to our attitude. Now, the definition of attitude is this. A complex mental state involving beliefs and feelings 
and values and dispositions to act in certain ways. Again, attitude is a complex mental state involving beliefs and feelings and values and dispositions to act in certain ways. Um, As a former high school teacher, I can assure you I am very, very adept at dealing with attitudes. Uh, I used to deal with attitudes every day. Some good, some not so good. And so attitudes are, are, are a part of our everyday life. Our attitudes directly affects our actions. Um, and this is a truth confirmed by Scripture. In Proverbs chapter 15, Solomon writes, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Again, he writes in Proverbs chapter 17, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So our attitudes affect everything about us. Uh, If we wake up and we have a good attitude, things in our day tend to go a little bit better, don't they? Uh, we, we, We take things on the chin and we we kind of let them go by because we, we're happy because we're merry we're we're joyous and and things don't tend to bother us so much but if we have a bad attitude if we're if we're if we have a, a poor attitude then problems tend to compound upon us and our whole day becomes worse I went to a a, a seminar once and the, the speaker was was trying to illustrate this very point, and he said, when everyone, when they arise in the morning, put on a pair of glasses. Some people put on positive glasses, and they view everything in a positive sense, while some people put on negative glasses, and everything they see is negative. And, you know, that really, that really rang true with me. That's, that's very true, and, and this comes back to our attitude. Um, our attitude will control everything about us. Now, of course, we're talking about doctrine. And our attitude toward doctrine is very important. You see, there are two reactions to the teaching of the Word of God. Now, remember, we, we defined at the very start of this study that doctrine is what? It's teaching. And there are many forms of doctrines. As a matter of fact, Paul even spoke in here about doctrines of devils. So there isn't just one doctrine. There's one true doctrine. But there are many doctrines. And there are many reactions, uh, or there are two reactions to the, to the teaching of God's word, to spiritual doctrine. Now, there are many different doctrines being taught about the word of God. But basically, there are only two reactions to it. It's either positive or negative. Now, in the realm of poor doctrine, most people receive that in a positive sense. Because um, corrupt doctrine very rarely serves to convict an individual. Corrupt doctrine generally tends to make you feel better about yourself and, and, and not really concern yourself with, with God's desires and God's wishes. Whereas sound doctrine, true doctrine... True biblical doctrine 
convicts and it challenges us and it causes us to, to view ourselves, to, to take an introspective view and to weigh ourselves against the perfect life that was ever lived by Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's the positive to, to true doctrine and there's the negative. Now, why would one have a negative reaction to the teaching of God's word? I mean, when, when you can sit there and you can open your Bible and you can hear someone teach and it's obvious that what they're teaching is true, that obviously what they're teaching is, is founded upon scripture and is, is good for the hearer to, to cleanse his life and to, to, to make himself uh, walk in a better way, why would someone react negatively to that? Well... In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, we read this. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Primarily the reason true biblical doctrine is, is viewed negatively is because men aren't saved. They, they, they are not born again. They do not have the Spirit of God within them to instruct them, to guide them, and to teach them. And so the Word of God taught in, 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 in true doctrine is offensive. And by the way, it should be offensive. Preaching should stir you. Preaching should challenge you. Uh, if, if, if you sit in a pew every Sunday and you're never convicted by what you hear coming from the pulpit, you better take a good look inside. Because, or you better, you better take a, a good listen to what the preacher's preaching because the very nature of preaching is offensive. You know, I, I draw what a preacher has to do back to the story in, in Samuel where... Um, Saul was, was instructed by God to, to kill all the, all the Amalekites and to destroy them all. But he's, he did not kill King Agag, if you remember. He kept King Agag alive and he kept some of the women and children alive and he kept some of the cattle and the sheep alive. And the Bible talks about Samuel there grabbing a sword and hacking Agag to pieces. You say, wow, that's, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what I see when I see that? I see, I see that because of our, the failures in our lives, and I'm going on to preaching here a little bit, so give me a little liberty. The failure in our lives to deal with the sin in our lives and to, to clean ourselves up the way that we should in our walk creates a need for the pastor on Sundays to stand in the pulpit and have to hack away at our philosophies. Just like Samuel had to do with Agag. So if you get upset about that, blame yourself. But we see that men react poorly primarily because they're not saved. But, you know, it's been also my experience after 35 years in the ministry that men react negatively to the things they do not understand. When people don't understand the need for something, then they react they don't react positively toward that thing. They react negatively. 
But there's another possible explanation as to why men reject spiritual truth, and that's found in John chapter 3. In verses 19 through 20, John states, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that hateth, that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So perhaps men reject truth um, because they love their sin. Because they love their sin and they don't want to be confronted with the need to change. After all, sin is pleasing to the flesh. Um, you can't deny that. To the, to, the, to the old nature, to the old flesh, sin is, is pleasing. It's pleasant. It's desirable. Evil works are, are done in darkness. And the flesh loves the darkness of sin. This is seen in the lives of those that hated Jesus. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why did they hate Jesus so much? Well, because his doctrine exposed them. Jesus' doctrine exposed them for the liars and the hypocrites that they were. And because of that, they hated him. They rejected him. And this is also seen in ministries across this country today. Why does the liberal preacher today hate churches like ours? Because our doctrines reveal them for what they truly are. Turn with me, if you would. We're right there in 1 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's begin at verse 1. We read here, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now we've just described our nation, have we not? We've just described mankind. Verse 6, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, uh, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. <laughs> and this is exactly the state of, of the majority of our, of our people today. And these false teachers, these, these, these promoters of false doctrine, prey upon this very thing. They, they make merchandise of people. They get on the television and... and, and People who are, who are despondent and desperate many times tune into these programs and they're, 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 they need something. They need help. What they need is the Lord. What they need is to hear true biblical doctrine. But they hear these, they hear these prosperity preachers. They hear these people that want to take everything they have from them. <laughs> and they use their smooth words and they use their, their crafty speech and they get these people and draw them in. And it's sad. 
I had a, a friend in, in our church in Louisiana, a very type thing I'm talking about. His marriage was on the rocks. His children were, were in all kinds of troubles. <laughs> he was financially despondent. He was in desperate straits. And he listened to one of these guys one night, and, and I think it was Jerry Falwell. <laughs> and he wrote a $1,000 check and put it in the mail to Jerry Falwell. And the next day he came by my office and he told me about that. And I told him, I said, get on the phone right now, call the bank and stop pay that check. He looked at me and I said, that man is doing nothing but take, taking your money from you. You're not, it's not going to help you in the least bit. As a matter of fact, if your wife finds out what you did, she is going to hasten the whole process. So he did. He stopped, paid the check and, and later he came and thanked me greatly for that. These people are going to take advantage of, of, of the weak. They're like, they're like lions preying upon <laughs> the weak in our society. But they even deceive a lot, of, a lot of people with this. Now, the reason they're so effective is this. The natural man does want religion. The natural man does want religion. But he does not want true religion. He wants a religion that allows him to appear religious while living in sin. Uh, for instance, <coughs> the Roman Catholics. And you'll forgive me if I pick on the Roman Catholics, but my whole family is, is Catholics. They're deceived by that cult, and uh, I, I, it needs to be exposed. <coughs> they go to the confession, they nail in the booth, and, and they, 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 they confess to a man who tells them to go out and pray a few prayers, and everything's hunky-dory. You can go on out now and load up on sin again, come back next week and, 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 and confess to me again. <laughs> and that's the philosophy. He want man, the natural man wants a religion that does not attempt to convict him of sin or unrighteousness. He only wants to hear of the love of God and the prosperity in God. He does not want to be made to feel guilty for his lifestyle. And this is what... It's taking place today in most of the churches in this country. Not all. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to be like Elijah who says, Well, Lord, woe is me. I'm the only one living for you. No, there's lots of people still living for the Lord. There's lots of churches preaching good doctrine. <clears throat> but for everyone that preaches good doctrine, there's probably a thousand that preach corrupt doctrine. So we, as God's people, need to have the right attitude when we consider the doctrine that we are going to that we're going to follow the, the doctrine that we're going to adhere to. So let me give you some thoughts, and today I'll, I'll cover two. Uh, given the, the truth of this, what should our attitude be towards the doctrine that we hear? Well, number one, we are to receive good doctrine. This may seem like a simple matter, but allow me to explain what I mean when I say we are to receive good doctrine. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if ye, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Paul here tells the believers at Corinth that they received his preaching. Now, what does it mean to receive something? Well, it means to hold it and to accept it as true 
are valid. So in the sense of, of, of teaching, in the sense of, of our doctrine, when we say we receive doctrine, what we are saying is I, I hold to and accept this teaching as absolute truth. So when we receive doctrine, we're, that's what, exactly what we're doing. We're, we're, we're in essence applying it to our life and we hold to it as, as true and acceptable. So, given this, it is logical to assume that when we receive doctrine, then we are pronouncing it to be true or valid. We are in essence stating, I acknowledge that this is truth. So, this is why I cannot and will not receive the doctrines of the Roman Catholic. I have some, I have family who are Roman Catholics. I have friends who are Roman Catholics. I, I work with people who are Roman Catholics. But I do not acknowledge, I do not support the doctrines of their church. And I make that clear to them. Because their doctrine is false. It's not true. And you know what? If nine out of ten points were right, that one that's not right opens the door to allow false teaching into, the, into my life. And I, I, cannot, I cannot condone a, a, a doctrine that is not based upon truth. And that does not agree with the word of God. So I cannot do that. I will not do that. This is why I cannot and will not receive the doctrine of the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Muslims, the Buddhists, the Charismatic, the Word of Life, or any other false religion in the world today. I was busy in my house the other, not, I think it was last Saturday. I was busy doing something and And I got up and I opened the door and there was, there was two ladies standing there. And I have a unique doorbell. The guy that lived in the house before us, he worked for the lights and, 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 and street lights and stuff like that. And it's a big, it's a big button you push to cro- for st- crosswalk. He's got that thing there. And it's, it's, a, it's a real talking point because everyone who comes to my door comments on that doorbell. And this woman tried to break the ice by saying, oh, what a unique doorbell. I looked at her. I said, you hold a witness? Yes. And I closed the door. I didn't say have a nice day. I didn't say anything else. I just shut the door and walked away. I'm not even going to I'm not going to receive them. I'm not going to say, oh, have a nice day. Fact of the matter is, I hope she breaks her her leg on the way down the steps. But I'm not going to say that because that wouldn't be nice, would it? it? It's not even nice for me to think it, but. Sue me. Um, no, I'm not going to do it. I used to work with a guy who was a Mormon. And he used to try to get me to read the Book of Mormons. I said, why would I want to read untruth? I said, why don't you read the Bible? We are not to receive the doctrines of these people. We're not to accept it. We're not to even, we're not to even entertain it. Why? Because their doctrine is neither true nor valid. And to receive it, 
would be to acknowledge it as truth. This is why I do not even listen to or read their materials. I had a friend in Louisiana, his name was Emery, and one day Emery came up to me and his whole family was Roman Catholic. And he came up to me and he said, Brother Dalton, I'm thinking that I should maybe study up on the Roman Catholic, I think it was called the Corsillo movement. He said, you think I should study up on that and become familiar with that? I said, nope, I don't think you should do that at all. Bible said, I told him, I said, Emory, the Bible says you should be ignorant concerning evil. I don't think you should waste your time studying false doctrine. If you're going to study doctrine, study true doctrine. That's exactly what the Word of God says about this. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 19, we read, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Listen, I do not need to know what they believe to effectively witness to them. Understanding their doctrine is not necessary for the preaching of the gospel. I need to know what I believe. I need to know what God says. If, if, if I will be able to tell them of the hope that is in me, I need to understand the hope that is in me. Do you understand that? You can't witness for Christ unless you understand what you're going to witness about. Unless you're going to understand what you're talking about. This is what Peter meant in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 when he said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter said, understand what you believe. Understand your doctrine. Know, know why you believe what you believe. And be prepared to tell others about what you believe. And all of this begins with you and me proving our own doctrine. We are to examine the doctrines that are presented to us and receive those that are right and reject those that are wrong. We're not just to sit blindly in the pew and say, Pastor, tell me what to believe. And I fear that the average person today has become too complacent to involve himself in an in-depth study of Scripture. You have to be careful. You know, I love Pastor Smith. I trust Pastor Smith. But he has a problem, he has, one, he has a problem just like me. And that is, he's a man. And men can fail. Right? How many of you say men fail? Raise your hand. Yeah. So, is he beyond being wrong? No, he's not. I mean, he's probably right 99.999999999% of the time than I am. But there's still that .000001 chance. There's one in a million chance. No, it's better than that. But when pastor preaches, I have my Bible and I read the scriptures. You know, when, when he has me preach for him and I'm standing up there preaching, I look over there and, and 
and he's, it don't matter if the scripture's up there, I see him turn into it in his Bible. And he's checking me out. And I'm glad he's checking me out. You know, the fact that he's checking me out makes me more careful. Makes me study that much harder. Makes me make sure I know what I'm talking about. Makes me read an extra four or five commentary uh, writers on that subject to make sure I, I am doing it right. And sometimes I even go to him and say, Pastor, this verse here, this is what I think it means. What do you think? That's the mo- your doctrine is the most important thing in your life. You may not realize that today. But your doctrine is more important than anything else in your life. And, and most people have no idea what they really believe. Parents are raising children and they, they're, they're putting it, your child, if your children are in a public school, do, do you even have any idea what they're being taught? Do you have any idea how their, their faith is being challenged daily by what's being taught to them from the history books and and, and, and the um, philosophy books that they have in their possession. And you're going to have to combat that at home by addressing those issues with your children and by making sure they understand, thus saith the Lord. And by the way, let me just, let me just add this. If your kids are in a Christian school, you still better be very careful. Because I can tell you a lot of Christian schools are teaching the same material the public schools are teaching. Because they want the assistance money from the state. And the only way they're going to get that is to teach from the same history books and the same philosophy books. Don't, don't, don't say, oh, my kids are in a Christian school, I'm safe. <laughs> you, are you? Are you? You better make sure. We're to receive sound doctrine and we're to know what we believe. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Study and if you don't understand what you're reading seek help. Go to the pastor. Go, go to a deacon. Go to a Sunday school teacher and say well, look what, what exactly does this mean? And then let... Share your thoughts with them. Let them share their thoughts with you. And, and pray and let the Holy Spirit guide you. You know the Holy Spirit never guides you into error. The Holy Spirit never leads you into error. And when we yield ourselves to the, to the Spirit and we, 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 we seek the truth from God's Word, He will give us the truth. And He will guide us in truth. So first we receive good doctrine. I took way too long on this point. Point number two, we are to obey Sound doctrine. <laughs> we're to obey. Romans, 8, Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Once we have tried and proven our doctrine and we know it to be, to be true doctrine and we know it to be God's principles, then we are to act upon it. We're now faced with a decision to obey or disobey. Now, one of the most heated arguments in evangelical doctrine today is over this matter of the evidence of salvation 
in the life of a believer. There are those that say a man's walk after salvation has nothing to do with whether or not he is saved. Well, that sounds good, but it's not scriptural. James combated this philosophy in James chapter 2, <coughs> verses 17 and 18, where he states, Even so faith, if it hath not worked, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Listen, God does not save us by works, but works are evidence of God's salvation. If a man can claim that he's born again, if a drunkard can claim he's born again and continue to live as a drunkard, then, then he, is not a saved, he is not saved. If a thief can claim to be saved and yet continue to be a thief, he, he shows no evidence of salvation. James said, you say you have faith, I, show, I, I will show you my faith by my works. Now, of course, none of us are perfect and we continue to fail, right? But behold, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Once I got saved, I I couldn't continue to live my life the way I did before. the, The spirit within me would not allow me to do that. I changed. And I didn't change because of anything in me. I changed because of God in me. And my, my evidence of salvation is, is shown by my lifestyle, by the works that I do for and through Christ. I don't have time to, to go through this, but you can read from Luke chapter 19, verses 8 and 9, about Zacchaeus. And there we see we see repentance in action. Zacchaeus, once he got saved, he, he changed, didn't he? He came to the Lord and he said, uh, if I've ever stolen anything from anyone, I'll return it tenfold and, and I'll, I'll give all my goods to charity and feed the poor. And Jesus said, behold, today salvation has come to thy home. And we also see from Scripture in Luke chapter 17... The lack of repentance. So, there are those today that would say that <coughs> repentance of sin is not necessary for salvation. They would, they would say only the acknowledgement of the sin of unbelief is necessary unto salvation. And I'm, I'm sad to say a lot of those that teach that are our Baptist brethren. But this is why we see churches across America touting numbers of of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved, yet, where are they? Where's the, where's the new creature? Where's the evidence of salvation in their lives? It is the will of Christ that our fruit remain. In John fifteen sixteen, he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go forth and go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask in my, my Father, in my name, he will give it you. We're to obey sound doctrine. This is not always easy, but it is always right. 
And our obedience is what God wants more than anything else. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, what did Samuel tell Saul? He said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. We're to obey sound doctrine. And if we are truly born again, we will obey God's word. Not perfectly, not all the time, but our life will will show forth the works of repentance. So let us let us have the good the right attitude about about doctrine. And let us understand that we are to we are to try doctrine and receive good doctrine and reject corrupt doctrine, and we are to obey good doctrine. All right, folks. Uh, it's time for me to stop, so thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.